Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. and welcome to the Happy Hour Jamie Ivy Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad that you're here. Every week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Vivi and I met this year at the IF Gathering, where we did some IF Equip videos together, and we also both served on the Racial Reconciliation Panel. Vivian and her husband have served with Crew, which is formerly Campus Crusade, for 25 years, and they currently work with the EPIC Movement, which is the Asian American Ministry of Crew. Today, Vivi and I chat about her work with Crew and the Epic Movement, plus also her journey through breast cancer a couple of years ago. Her story is going to encourage you and inspire you, so sit back and you just might need some tissues. I'm just saying from someone that needed some tissues during the recording. Today's show is sponsored by the She's Brave Conference. Nourish is a diverse community of women, and it was created to cultivate real relationships. Their She's Brave Conference is a weekend-long event where you can meet other women who value authenticity, fun, and community. This She's Brave conference happens March 4th through 6th next year in 2016 in beautiful Uptown Charlotte. It will feature New York Times bestselling author Glennon Melton, great workshops, and a swag bag with all kinds of goodies including jewelry, workshop sessions, and other well-known writers, bloggers, and so much more. The cost for the whole She's Brave experience is only $250 if you register now. And just for happy hour listeners, you're going to receive a 15% discount with the code HAPPYHOUR. More information is available on their website nourishclt.com guys at the end of the show be sure and listen to see how you can win a copy of vivian's book warrior in pink here is my conversation with vivian hey jamie hi hey good morning good morning to you how are you i'm doing all right i've been looking so forward to talking with you again this is so fun (laughs) yes yes we should have done this so long ago. <laughs> like in real person, in yes, life, yes, in together, human. in human. I know. Ah, so tell me, where do you live? I'm in Mission Viejo, California, Southern California, so between L.A. and San Diego. So it's 10 a.m. there now. Yep, it's 10 a.m. Okay, well, welcome to the happy hour. Hey, thanks. I'm so honored. I'm so glad you're here. This is so fun. Um, I'm so glad that we met. We met this year. At the IF Gathering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we were on the panel for the um, diversity panel on stage. That was fun. Yes. And then you and I also did some of the IF Equip videos together. Mm-hmm. Which that's actually yes. where we first met. Yes, yes, that's right. They threw two strangers into a room and said, talk about Jesus <laughs> for three minutes. <laughs> yes, on various topics. Yes, yes, it was great. I loved it. It was definitely meeting you was one of the highlights for me. It was so fun. Gathering. So tell, me, tell everybody that's listening what you do in life. Oh, well, aside from being a wife to my husband, Darren, of 24 years. Congratulations. Thank you. It is a big feat. It's a big thing, yes. <laughs> big thing. It's a big thing. And then we have three kids. Jonathan is 21, 
entering his senior year in college, and Michael is 18 and just started college, and Julia is 13, and she just started eighth grade. So, so you aside- have all of the different areas. I mean, you have one that just left high school, right? Yes, yes, yes. And one going into eighth middle school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. Wow. It, it is. I'm living that. So aside from that, my husband and I have been on staff with Crew, formerly Campus Crusade for Christ. We've been on staff for 26 years, and uh, we currently serve on the Epic Movement, which is the Asian American Ministry of Crew. We're on the executive, the national executive team, and we serve with the field ministry, directing the field ministry. Well, that sounds fun. What does that mean you actually do day to day? Well, it means that we we are in meetings, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which I don't mind. I really do enjoy meetings. Um, but we're we're thinking and planning and praying and believing God uh, to reach to uh, reach Asian Americans who would then reach help reach the world, and uh, primarily on the college campus, but mm-hmm. also just um, really seeing that when someone comes to Christ, their, not only do their own lives change, their family's lives change, their community changes, mm-hmm. everything changes. And yeah. so it's just thrilling to be a part of change lives. And so that's my day job. And then kind of on the side, I've been writing and speaking and doing fun things like the happy hour podcast. The happy hour. This is everyone's <laughs> fun thing to do. Oh, for sure. So for sure. I w- actually went to my Starbucks. I have a Starbucks around the corner that I call my Starbucks, uh-huh. and I was going to buy a pumpkin spice latte to share with you, uh, like, you know, to kind of bring in the fall season, but the line was too long, and it didn't look like they had them yet, so. And I don't have anything but water, so I wouldn't oh. be sharing. Oh, okay. We'll have to plan that better next I time. I know. I've had my one cup of coffee. Well, I usually have two cups of coffee a day. I've already had one this morning at a meeting with a girlfriend, and then usually I would make one right before I started the show, and I'm out. How can you have a house out of coffee? Oh, that, that's tragic. It, it is. It's like close to the end of the world almost. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I wish I could beam you over some of mine. I, I make my coffee in a huge Starbucks New York City cup. Oh. And then I have, it's mostly dessert because it's like mostly half and half and sugar. Okay. Put some coffee in it. Mm-hmm. And then I sprinkle nutmeg and cinnamon on top. You do this at home? I do this at home. You make yourself a drink. I do. It's, it's, it's. Yeah, I love it. That's amazing. I used to, so I didn't start drinking coffee until I had kid number two. It's like I would kind of socially drink coffee before. Like we were, if we were at an event, I'd be like, yeah, I'll take decaf, you know, whatever. Um, and then baby number two, I was like, now I know why people do this. And I now feel like I just enjoy coffee. I like having mm-hmm. something warm in my hands in the morning. And anyhow, I did Whole30. I know you've heard of it, right? Yes. 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 So I did Whole30 right. in the spring. Mm-hmm. And... It didn't do, I expected to lose like 75 pounds, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever, but I didn't lose any weight. <laughs> so, okay, okay. <laughs> but anyhow, what it did do for me was a lot of people on Whole30, like if you drink coffee, like you just described to me, that sounds delicious, but you can't have that on Whole30. Right. Oh, and yeah. so my coffee previously to Whole30 was coffee with like, I would call it my treat. Like I'd get vanilla flavored half and half or whatever not half and half but what's that cream or whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was just like this special treat in the morning and I cut all that out and so now I am a black coffee drinker mm. one wow. month of, without it and I haven't gone back and I'm just so proud wow. of myself that's that is impressive I I uh, yes I'm like wow I feel like a grown-up sometimes you do, that is a grown-up kind of thing to do black you know, coffee because like your dad drinks black coffee you right. know so I'm like yeah. oh yeah 
Yeah. I'm like an adult over here. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Okay. I'm going to ask a question, and I hope that it is not insensitive. You have every right to tell me if it is. Okay. Um, When you would tell me about your job with crew, Mm -hmm. working with Asian Americans, specifically college students, to tell them about Jesus with the hope that it would not only change their life, but their family's life. Do do you – here comes the – I hope it's not an insensitive question. Do you see that with your job – that more than more with Asian Americans doesn't have an opportunity to change the world within their families. Like, are you seeing a lot of people who may come to Christ that have families still in maybe their home country? Is that do you see that a lot? Well, it's kind of varies because if you look at like Asian American history, there were you know Asian Amer- there were Asian Amer- Asians Asian Americans mm-hmm. who were who fought in the Civil War, but you just never read about it or see the pictures. I never see that Um, in pictures. Right. Right. And like I, you know, one of my dearest friends, um, his great, great, whatever grandparents helped build the railroad. Wow. So, you know, he's fifth generation. Mm -hmm. So there are, you know, Asian Americans who were here in the 1800s, you know, so now you have your fifth, fifth generation, sixth generation growing up in the United States who are Asian American who still identify as Asian American, um, who can trace their, you know, their ancestry back to a country in Asia. And then you also simultaneously have a whole um, new group. New like group first, of, second generation. Yes, yeah. yes. And so, so when you talk about Asian American, it's really broad. So the answer to your question is yes and no. So like my friend who the grandparents built the railroad, they were part of a church, you know, back in the 1800s um, that, you know, he was pastoring and all of that. So there's a rich spiritual heritage in his family. Mm-hmm. But the majority of students that we work with, um, you know, we, well, we work with Christians, but we, our objective is to, you know, allow Jesus to be known on the college campus. So uh, the th- most thrilling part of it is really seeing students that begin a relationship with God who had never heard. And that was what I, mm. I grew up also in, you know, non-Christian home, didn't have, you know, didn't have a Bible, didn't know Jesus apart from, you know, something about Christmas and Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Easter was really more about the Easter bunny than mm-hmm. any. So there's just not a, a context. So when we do share our faith, uh, a lot of it is even be- the beginning of that there is a God. Yeah. And then moving toward that the Bible is the Word of God, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died for our sins. So it's it's really, um, sometimes it takes a lot longer, but we see a lot of students that just are drawn to be a part of Epic. And then they what's so great is that as they are with other believers, they see the difference. And um, over and over, we see people come to Christ. That is amazing. Yeah. Um, Hearing, I always really, really enjoy hearing people's stories of faith, especially people who did not grow up um, in the church or grow up with an even an inkling of understanding about God or Jesus, um, because I had the exact opposite story. Whereas mm-hmm. I grew up in the church and would have called myself a believer since I was eight, but didn't really start following Jesus until I was about twenty-one. But I always knew all the right answers, and so mm. when I hear people say. Easter didn't mean anything except for the Easter Bunny, and Jesus was maybe about Christmas. That is such a foreign concept to me, but it's mm. such a great reminder that the world doesn't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and that there are people out there hurting that didn't grow up in my luxury of going to church. Mm. Yeah. So I'm sure you see true. a lot of that on college campuses. Yes, increasingly more, I, I would say. 
And and honestly, when uh, what we what we usually come across, you know, working with college students is that sometimes those who are Christians, um, because they haven't really owned their own faith, they get to college and they kind of just go crazy for sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, uh-huh. then, and then they come around again. But it it is. Um, I, that's why we love college ministry because it really those decisions that are made in those years really yeah. change the trajectory of the future and how mm-hmm. they will, you know, how they will, who they'll marry, how they'll live their lives, and everything, everything. It's crazy, so, it really it is. is. I feel like that um, with our with Aaron and I's parenting, I feel like it's been influenced. Aaron grew up as a son of a pastor, mm. um, and I grew up in a Christian home, and so. I think neither one of us truly owned our faith um, until we got to college, like you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, and me, even until, you know, a couple of years in, I don't even know if I was a believer, you know. Um, <laughs> but I didn't start following Jesus until I was that old. And Aaron really didn't own his faith. And so as we parent, I feel like we're kind of swinging that pendulum a bit, you know, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And like we're, our kids are pastor's kids, but none of them have been baptized. You know, like mm-hmm, we, are, mm-hmm. we are so wanting them to own their faith. Yeah. That we're yeah. letting them journey that. And sometimes it's hard because I just want to like tell them everything they need to know and then say like, you know, Jesus, right? Right? <laughs> right? You follow him, right? <laughs> but we are so hands off about it that we, mm-hmm. we show them God. We talk about him. Yeah. But we don't make them follow him in a sense, you know, because mm-hmm. you can't. Oh, Only yeah. God draws those people, his people to him. So, yeah. And I think that that. I, I would agree. Like I, our, our philosophy has been similar in that we were, you know, I, I didn't want the kids to become inoculated Mm -hmm. to the Bible even. So, you know, we didn't require the kids to read their Bibles. I really wanted that. I figured they will learn to read and I would love for them to love the Bible because they love God Uh and not feel like, Oh yeah, I already heard that story. So, uh, so that's probably been my biggest prayer is, you know, to ask the Lord to, have, you know, bring them to places where they begin to own their own faith. And so it really has been fun to watch them, you know, because I think in, in the same way with a, you know, growing up in a church as a pastor's kid, being a missionary kid, you know, these, you right. know, there's also that same fishbowl kind of mentality. And we were just like, you know what, you don't feel like you have to pretend to be somebody that you're not. Yeah. So we didn't require them to have to do, you know, a lot. Mm-hmm. And now uh, you have two boys in college. Yeah, and you know what the fun thing is that they they on their own sought out, you know, the the different fellowships that they're getting involved with. But you know, like my middle son Michael who just started, he actually dropped a class to and picked up another class because he knew that a couple of the college ministries that he wanted to be to check out met that during that time. So uh-huh. he switched his schedule and I just thought, "Way to go." You know, yeah. I, I was really encouraged by that. He knew, you know, he loves you know, all my kids went to public school. We um, we loved that we could debrief with them about real life mm-hmm. and have them have a variety of friends, and that was important to us. And we just felt like that was a good decision for our family. And so, you know, he really has you know, the kids are going in realizing they are they're at their schools for you know for a purpose bigger than just even just schooling, sports. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that is so fun. I. You have kids going to college. Mine just went to sixth grade, so you know we're, <laughs> we're still like go, we're we're finding new things, you know, mm-hmm. and trying to prepare your kids for what lies ahead is one of the scariest things I can even think about, you know. And what a privilege and honor that God gives us as parents, but it's also so scary. Yes, and so humbling. I don't think that there's anything that has humbled me more 
besides being married. <laughs> but uh-huh. being a mom, I feel like, you know, really, I, I realized, you know, each new season required me to extend grace to myself because I'd never been the mother of a preschooler. Right. I'd never been the mother of a teenager. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's each time I've had to learn to give grace to myself because I have an expectation that somehow I would have, by osmosis or something, learned how to be a mom of a whatever. Right. And, um, yeah, it's been really humbling, and uh, it's kept me very dependent. <laughs> very. <laughs> yes, very so. dependent. That is for sure. Uh, well, Vivian, when we met at IF, you gave me your book, and mm-hmm. it is called Warrior in Pink. And the subtitle is A Story of Cancer, Community, and the God Who Comforts. And so if was like February. And then I guess mm-hmm. in March I went on a trip uh, where I had a lot of time on an airplane. And I read your book and just loved it. It basically is just your story of finding out you have um, breast cancer, the mm-hmm. journey through that um, with your community, um, and what God showed you through that. I mean, it was beautiful. Aww, it was so you. wonderful. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. I live by routines, especially my same-day delivery routine with Shipped. Because when Sunday rolls around, I'm not scared. I got my shopper on the way with all my favorites. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at Shipped.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Can I share oh. with you a story about me real quick? Yes, of course. So I... um 
deal with worry and fear. Mm. And I am, a, you know, I am, I was about to say 100% different and better, but that's not true. I am, you know, 75% better than I used to be. So it's still mm-hmm. a struggle. It's something I fight. Well, I had an early mammogram, um, I guess last year sometime, just because mm. of family history. So mm-hmm. no big deal. So I go in and I have the mammogram and they say, you know, we're going to do an ultrasound today. And I'm like, this sounds weird. Like I didn't sign up for an ultrasound mm-hmm, today. Mm-hmm. So I go the same day right after the mammogram and get an ultrasound. And um, actually I had to go to like a different building. I mean, I had to get in my car and leave and go. And so it was kind of like, well, this is weird. And as the tech is doing the ultrasound, she could have been having like a bad day. Her husband mm-hmm. could have like told her bad news that morning. Something could have been off. But Mm -hmm. I felt like she was spending a lot of time in one area, and then she wasn't very friendly. And Mm. I left Vivian. And I laugh about it now. It's not funny at all. But I I laugh at myself because I left that that ultrasound with no – no doctor had said anything to me. They just said, we'll follow up. Mm -hmm. And I left, and I called my husband, and I said, I have breast cancer. And he's like, Jamie, what? And I was like, listen, she spent a lot of time here. She didn't smile at me. She didn't talk to me. She was just clicking away on her computer. And she kept asking me all these weird questions. And he was like, Jamie, no one has said that to you. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and so I was in, I was in despair. I mean, like I couldn't mm-hmm. sleep that night. I was all worried. And no one had said that to me. And so I can only imagine when I was reading your book, this is the exact same scenario of how you found out you had breast cancer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, and you know, thankfully I don't, and everything was fine. I'm, I'm kind of like saying my, my weird worry, but as women, we go in and it is on our brain. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's really true. It's and there. It's, it feels, it seems to me, I don't know if it's because I went through it, but it just seems like it, it's even more prevalent or younger women are mm-hmm. being diagnosed more or yeah. something, but it just, it's, startling to me yeah how many I think uh, some statistic I read was 240,000 women will be diagnosed this year with breast cancer it's crazy I mean I have a friend right now her husband works at our church and she has breast cancer she's pregnant with her third child and is mm-hmm. walking through breast cancer mm-hmm. and younger than me I'm 37 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know yeah. Yeah. yeah so um in the very beginning of your book you you and your girlfriends had gotten together and someone was telling you a story about someone and you said something um, that kind of set out the trajectory, not only for this book, obviously, but for your life. And you said, mm. God, if this, if I ever get news like this, I want to mm-hmm. let people in, like, yeah. let me let people in. And then two months later you got the, probably the worst news you'll ever get. Is that mm-hmm. correct to say? Yeah. 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 So tell me, I just told you about my crazy story that wasn't even true. <laughs> tell me because people that are listening, they probably know someone that's walked through this. Right. And if they don't, right. they probably will. What was it like? that day when you found out that you had cancer? Well, wow. Well, just to back up to that story. So this, the story happened in October and I, uh, what ended up happening was my friend had a friend who just always looked perfect and she called her the Asian Martha Stewart Mm -hmm. because everything about her life was perfect. And this woman was diagnosed with breast cancer and when people offered to help her, she refused because she just wanted to stay the strong one. She wanted to stay all put together. But as she went through um, this horrible cancer treatment, she could not hold her world together and she was not a believer and she tragically um, committed suicide. Mm. And so when I heard that story, it just stopped me. So I can still, I mean, you know how you have those moments in your life yeah. where it just stops and you can just go right back mm-hmm. to that moment? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, sitting here on my couch right now, I can go back to the, I can still smell the, the food court. I yeah. can still hear the sounds 
But it was like God just kind of, you know, showed me. It's like, you don't even know this woman, but you can totally relate of liking that, wanting to be the strong one and kind of refusing help. And um, and that's what, you know, that, that part of the story was the prayer. You know, God, if anything like this ever happens, I purpose right here, right now. I will let people in. Yeah. So for me, it was, you know, I felt found a lump, went, you know, my doctor, my primary care physician was a new one, she didn't know me very well, but she wasn't too worried. So she sent me to get a diagnostic mammogram just in case, which ended up leading to the ultrasound, which led to a core biopsy. All in the same day, which all I did not day. realize that they would do a biopsy in the same day. Yes. Yeah, so, and this was all on the Friday before school was out for Christmas break. So, you know, so there you was literally Christmas have like, you like, I have an hour schedule for a mammogram yeah. and then oh, I have a full totally. day. Oh yeah. It was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, this one's early out. This one has, you know, in my daughter's food allergies. So I need to bring the special sugar cookies for this birthday party. You know, it was we all know not, this. Yes. You know, right. Costco Christmas cards. Uh-huh. And, you know, we're trying to get everyone's schedules a party in December. I don't know why, but, yes. <laughs> but so it was in the middle of, the, of that madness that this, this happened. And, um, so before I even got the official diagnosis, that decision, that the story came back to me again and the decision to let people in was before me. So I actually ended up writing an email to the five women that I would ask to be my bridesmaids if I had to marry Darren yeah. again. Uh-huh. We all know that those <laughs> yeah, people, right? yeah. Those are the, you know, who were in my five? So I emailed them and three of the five lived within 10 minutes of me. So I texted So wait, you got them. home that night yep. from that, all of this that and that's yes. when you did the email? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I sent this email out and then realized that three of them lived within 10 minutes of me. So I texted them and said, hey, can you meet me at my Starbucks um, tomorrow? I just need to be. And so they knew they, you know, I'd known them a couple decades. So they knew that this was not normal for me mm-hmm. to, you know, reach out to ask for help. And they, what was so amazing, I ended up calling them the awesome threesome. But, you know, Layla, Kelly, and Debbie, they knew how, they had gone through their own trials in their lives so that they knew not to try to talk me out of my feelings mm-hmm. or, you know, throw Bible verses my way or try to convince me that, you know, I needed to trust God. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just knew how to sit with me and hold my feelings and just be with me. And mm-hmm. that, to me, was one of the greatest gifts. And so that, I think, helped me to start being open to, um, you know, what was ahead. So that was even before the call. Then the call came three days before Christmas. And, you know, it never rains in Southern California. I think there's a song about that. (laughs) It It sounds like there should be a song about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but this particular weekend, it had been raining so hard that it was raining sideways. It was just so stormy. And we, you know, of course, because of all the expectations of, the holidays and everything, there's tension. And so Darren and I were fighting about something. I don't even remember what it was, but we just had this tension going on. And I was waiting for the phone call and waiting for the phone call. So I finally took the phone call in the garage in my car. I call that my office because mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes Get it's away. a only quiet place. <laughs> exactly. Like, so I took the phone call, you know, just there in, in my car and, um, you know, this, the the technician said, you know, you have invasive lobular carcinoma. And I had never heard any of those three words. Yeah. And I was just like, what? what is that? And so she explained, you have breast cancer. So after they had set up the appointment, I got the phone. Darren walked into the garage. And um, I think I was just in shock. But as soon as I opened my car door and got out, 
um, I just told him, I just broke down and said, you know, it's cancer. The, the doctor says I have cancer. So I was sobbing and he just put his arms around me and he just prayed for us in that moment. And we had these little windows in our garage, on our garage door. And when he had finished praying, it was, it was just this sweet and tender moment because some, at that moment, the clouds broke through and a sunbeam came right into our garage, right where we were standing. And it was almost, it was just like the Lord was saying, I'm, I'm here and I'm with you and I'm going to be with you as you walk through this. Yeah. And it was pretty incredible. And now I'm crying. Oh. <laughs> I've read the story and I'm still crying. Oh, and so, oh. I mean, you knew from the get-go that you had a man that was going to stand with you through this mm. whole thing. Um, but you guys didn't tell the kids right away, did you? No, it was Christmas. Yeah, so we yeah. didn't want to spoil it for them or even for our immediate family. So we kind of had, you know, just a, just a small handful of friends that knew that could carry us through that time but we told them after Christmas. And how old were your kids at the time of this? So Jonathan at that time had just turned 14. He was starting his first year of high school, and Michael was 11 in sixth grade, going into sixth grade, and Julia was um, six going into first grade. So So you had a a house full of kids. I mean, Mm -hmm. in all different things. Yeah. Ministry, husband, and now this. Mm -hmm. So did Mm -hmm. you start treatment after the first of the year? So, yeah, so it was like, I honestly, you know, I was 42, and at that time, I was running like, that was back in the day when I used to run, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I was running like, you know, two or three miles every other day, like I was as in shape as I had ever been, you know, so it just, it just came out of nowhere for me, you know, Um, but um, I totally lost my train of thought. What, you had surgery after the first of the year, is that what happened? Yeah, okay. So, you know, 42, I had rarely gone to the doctor even. So mm-hmm. I gone, I went through a million, it felt like a million different appointments and visiting doctors and finally had my first surgery um, in January. And then like the next nine months, I was in active treatment. Uh, chemo or radiation? I can't remember. Both. Okay. Both. Yeah. Okay. And surgeries. Yeah. And surgeries. So um, you mentioned something a while ago that I think was so interesting about your friends and meant about how they didn't throw Bible verses at you. They didn't tell you you just need to trust God more, that they really just sat with you. Mm. Um, is that what you would encourage? Like I'm sitting here and I'm listening and I'm thinking the chances that a friend of mine walks through something tragic, and it may not be cancer. You can fill in the blank with whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is my response to that? Like I want to be the kind of friend like you just said. Um, how how can we be friends like that? What's your advice and encouragement for all of us to be that mm-hmm. type of friend to our people? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. And I think, you know, our I think the intention always is that we want to help. You know, we want to love well, we want to help, but there are certain things that aren't as helpful in a crisis moment. And I mean, honestly, for me, um like I I used to, you know, before I went through cancer, I used to just say, hey, call me anytime. Mm-hmm. And I really meant that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you need anything, just call me. And after going, being on the receiving end of that, you know, I realized, you know what? I know that that person really cares about me and loves me, but I have, there's nothing in me that will actually call this person. Hmm. Like, so I appreciate the, the invitation, but it wasn't really, in the end, very helpful. Gotcha. So I would say, you know, being on a very practical level, it was more helpful when, you know, one friend would say, hey, can I pick your son up from um, football practice for you? 
and just bring them home. You know, it's like, yes, that like would just be throwing great. stuff out there instead of waiting for you to mm-hmm. come up. Cause it's almost mm-hmm. like you're asking the person who is in this um, situation that is struggling to come up with ways that people can help her. Right, exactly. And so, you know, this is where the beauty of having the awesome threesome was that I was able to process with them. And so going back to just even like being with someone, you know, grieving, whether they've lost someone they've loved or they've lost their job or they've lost the their uh, it's grief, Mm -hmm. regardless of the circumstances. And it really is just the being there, I think, is a gift and not having to even have to say anything, which even just stating that, like, I don't even know what to say, but I'm just, just want you to know that I'm here and I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the gift of your presence is one of the greatest presents. Mm. Um, I would say, cause there's, you know, I'm here. I, you know, I was a missionary still, I'm a missionary, but at that time, you know, it's like, I've been teaching Bible. So I know the Bible pretty well. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't need, um, I needed to be able to process through my emotions in a safe environment. Yeah. And there were people that really were well-meaning, but they were, you know, they were they were giving unsolicited advice, uh-huh. so, you know, sending me recipes for, you know, healing. 15, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, if you buy these apples that were grown in the Amazon, it yeah. will cure you of cancer and again, well-meaning for sure, uh, but they really weren't very helpful for me. And yeah. again, and the other piece I'd say Jamie is that each person's journey is different. And so I think that there's just no right way to do cancer. Hmm. So I think that that's the other piece that, you know, everyone walks through treatment differently. They respond differently. They respond to God differently. And I think that, you know, really there's just not a, a one way to do it. So I still think it's better to, you know, maybe still be there and maybe accidentally say something that's not as encouraging but hopefully have the type of relationship where you can say you know I'm not you know I I'm wanting to be sensitive to you but I'm feeling some of these things I you know yeah just being honest and trying uh-huh. to either it's better than to avoid and you know the interesting thing now that I'm thinking about it was that um there were some people that I thought would be with be there for me but they weren't and then unexpected people that I didn't expect were there for me. And so uh, I just find that really interesting because I do believe that when people live with unprocessed grief, they uh, it just ends up surfacing again. So I felt like my own cancer battle was bumping up against their unresolved, you know, whether they had relatives who mm-hmm. had died of cancer or whatever, but it just kind of poked at that tender part in their lives. So some some of them just disappeared because they, they couldn't handle mm-hmm. going through what they'd already been through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're not the first person I've heard say that, that when they, when tragedy struck or they went through some kind of form of um, grief or something like this, that the people that they thought would be there weren't and the people that they mm-hmm. never expected to be there were. Um, I think when I think about myself and wanting to help friends and be for people, I think what you just said is really encouraging because I think what keeps so many people from doing anything is because we just don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And so we feel like, well, once I get in front of them, well, what do I do? That's awkward. What am I supposed to say? You know, and so I feel like hearing you say, you don't have to say anything. Mm -hmm. It's encouraging, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's really encouraging because it takes that pressure off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say too that, you know, there was a huge flood of concern. I mean, overwhelming. Like we stopped answering our phone at one point because it was just like, (laughs) we're answering, you know, we're telling the same story. Right. Times it was just exhausting, you know, but 
usually if a person's going through an extensive treatment, I mean, it was months and months and months. And so, um, you know, if you, if you have a close friend who's going through it, you know, just stick in your phone a reminder to, you know, check in like three months from now yeah. because that, that's the other thing. And I think that that's true again with people who are grieving. You know, you can mm-hmm. get a whole bunch of support at the front end, but as you continue, you know, there's still more yeah. journey, uh-huh. journey. So, yeah, it is. Be thing. And because, I mean, the, the reality, and it is sad, but it is a reality. Other people's lives just go on. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I look back on when we were going through some hard times, and I remember thinking, everyone's still waking up and watching Good Morning America. Like, everyone mm-hmm. is still going to lunch, everyone yeah. is still having yeah. happy hour. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, and so it was, it's a hard place to be too when you're on, but that's a good word for us to remember these people three months down the road, six mm-hmm. months down the road. Yeah. I do something. I've had a couple of girlfriends who's lost, who have lost parents mm. and I, um, I keep the date in my, on my calendar and it's a reoccurring event and it just helps me every year to tell them, Hey, I remember your loss, mm. you know, and I texted wow. a girlfriend just this summer to say, hey, I know this is a hard week and I love you and, you know, wow. one day we get to see your dad again. And she just said that really meant a lot that you remembered, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. so it's small things like that that can really make a big difference. Hey, guys, before we get back to my conversation with Vivian, I wanted to let you know about a way that you could totally help out the happy hour. iTunes reviews are like manna from heaven to podcasts. So if you haven't already, go to jamieivy.com slash iTunes and give the show a rating or review. Here's a recent review from NY Jewels. She says this, I'm so happy that I found Jamie Ivey. I'm a road warrior and spend a lot of time on planes, trains, and automobiles. I love listening to Jamie and her friends. I'm learning so much about the wonderful causes that many of her guests advocate. Thanks to this podcast, I have also added some great reads to my reading list, found the best pie in Austin, and discovered the Gilmore Girls. This podcast is super fun, informative, and inspirational. Listening to this podcast is definitely one of the top three things I'm loving right now. Thank you so much for putting me in your top three things. Guys, I love hearing your thoughts on the show. It's it's a great affirmation for the show and for myself, but even more, sharing that in review form, it actually helps more people find the happy hour. And that's what we want. We want more people at the happy hour. So remember, that's jamieivy.com slash iTunes. Give it a rating, leave a review, and you'll have my eternal gratefulness. Okay, back to the show with Vivian and I. What do you say, do you, would you be as bold to say that your journey through this would not have been the same without your people around you? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that there is definitely a, p- a part of this that is God's perfect timing. Um because I think about what, how I would have responded had I been, had it been five years earlier, and I, I think I would have been like the Asian Martha Stewart, where I'd be like, "No, I don't want to put anybody out." Really? Okay. You know, I just don't want to. Um, you know, I just don't want to be a bother to anyone. You know, like that kind of a approach mm-hmm. um, would have been my lead foot, and so I felt like God had, you know, taken me through other difficulties that brought me to a place of really um, valuing mm-hmm. and also, um, yeah, not, not only just valuing, but actually having action steps that would change, um, cha- would change the outcome. So yes, I, I yeah. really do believe that there was, uh, gro- some growing on the insides that God had been doing prior to even the diagnosis mm-hmm. that helped me. And, you know, and honestly, we didn't do everything like whoop-de-doo and, and I didn't write the book, you know, with wanting to have this 
little bow on the end and, you know, a Bible verse to wrap everything up. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to be kind of real and raw about it. You know, yeah. There were times it was just awful. Mm-hmm. And there's just no way around awful. Yeah. And, you know, no matter how great God is, who and he, do, he is, he was still allowing me to feel awful. Mm-hmm. And being able to hold that intention is something that I, I'm still learning to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Well... Um, I enjoyed reading your journey and I hate that it has to be your journey, but I believe that God uses that, um, for, for, for his glory. I mean, mm-hmm. for sure you get to bring him glory through this, but I was, um, I taught a retreat last spring and I was do, I was teaching on second Corinthians 12, nine through 10 when mm-hmm. Paul's talking about, you know, the thorn in his flesh and you know, that he would ask God to remove it, and he did it, and it was for his glory, those kind of mm. things. And it reminded me of a chapter in your book, and it must have been, I don't know if it was like fresh in my mind or whatever, but I'm going to read a little bit from your book, if that's okay. Sure. You talk a lot about just the struggle with the treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, you had some very miserable days, um, sickness, nause- nausea, tired, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is um, entitled Kitchen Camping. And um, and this, not only, I might not make it through without crying because it made me cry. And I read it oh. again this morning. And I already cried. And so oh. here we go. <laughs> Jamie, <laughs> I wish I could hug you. <laughs> here's what you said. You said, tired of being in our bedroom, staring at the ceilings, I began to migrate to new places to sleep. After another round of chemo, I found myself knocked out sleeping on the couch in the TV room. Around 2.30 a.m., the predictable pain peaked. I thought I'd done a good job of layering my pain and nausea meds, but I found myself unsuccessful. I wandered into the kitchen to get some water and then slid down to the floor. Darren came into the kitchen and, and looked at me sitting on the floor, leaning, look, I'm already about to cry, <laughs> leaning up against the cabinets by the sink. I looked up, assaulted by nausea, battling pain in my bones from my first vertebrae to my kneecaps. I didn't want to move at all. I'm not doing very well, you said. He sat down next to me on the kitchen floor. He said nothing. Leaning up against his arm was enough. Look, I cannot even make it. After sitting for a long, long time on the kitchen floor in silence, Darren asked, do you want to stay in the kitchen? I nodded. He left the room. I heard the sound of a closet door open. I closed my eyes, hoping it would quell the nausea. When I opened them again, Darren stood at the doorway to the kitchen, arms full of sleeping bags and pillows. I watched as he said, oh my gosh, I am like a mess. I watched as he set up camp for us. After I climbed into my sleeping bag, Darren turned out the light. As I lay on the hard, white tiles of the kitchen floor in the dark next to Darren, his broad chest breathing of deep sleep, I fell into a fitful sleep wondering, how much more can I take? As the day streamed in through the kitchen windows, I knew the battle still raged on. I knew chemo had more to take from me and to teach me, but I also knew that I'd make it. Because I had Darren, because my children pulled for me, because our church family tangibly loved us, because people prayed for me. And then the last paragraph is one that I just start all over. It said, and all of that told me that no matter what chemo took from me, it had given me far more. Life, yes, but also blessings I would never have known or allowed myself to accept without what I struggled through. And that, (laughs) (laughs) you're crying and it's your story. I I know. (laughs) I'm crying Uh, and it's the third time I've read it. Um, (laughs) But I started that last part because that really, really spoke to me because you said, Chemo was giving you life for sure. It was killing the cancer. It was doing that. Mm-hmm. But you said that it was giving you more than you would have ever known had you not gone through it. Mm-hmm. Is, that a, is that a hard reality to put your mind around? Yes. And how yes. did you get there? Because 
that's not an easy, it's not, those aren't easy words to say that because of my cancer, God, you have moved in me and shown me these things. Mm. Because basically you're saying without this, I wouldn't be who I am. Mm-hmm. And I believe in a sovereign God. I believe that God is in control of things. And so I believe that he, he changes us and he moves us through all sorts of things. So tell me, how, how is it that you got your brain around that? Well, I think it's still, I think there are choices that we, big choices and little choices. So big choices would be um, a, a decision to surrender and yield our lives fully to the Lordship of Jesus. That's a big decision, mm-hmm. and that changes everything. Because when he is in the driver's seat, when he is um, the king, when he is number one in our lives, um, our lives are not our own. Mm. And so there's a surrenderedness that leads us to willing, being willing to go anywhere, do anything, say anything, give anything. That is That changes everything in a believer's life. Yeah. So that, to me, is probably what I um, am most... Um, passionate about as far as helping believers, you know, learn the significance of that. Because when when that decision takes place, the Holy Spirit is then able to empower us. We can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and and um, because His power is unlimited, you know, there's just no telling what can happen when a life is surrendered like that. So that's to me a big decision, mm-hmm. which is part of getting our minds around. Is like you know really. Um, our lives are not our own. And yeah, so yeah. can I lean into God and trust Him, even when my circumstances look so bleak? Mm-hmm. And then I think that there are just the, the little decisions which would include, and they're, maybe they're not little, but compared to that first one, it seems littler, but there are little decisions that we make to um, decide like our attitude on things. So it's not happy talk so much, uh-huh. as much as is, is really um, a choice to... Mm-hmm. You know, really, I, I, I'm going to choose to be honest with my feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm going to choose to, um, you know, have that difficult conversation. I'm going to choose, you know, so there's all those little decisions that also help us make, wrap our mind around the sovereignty of God. Because I, I see a lot of Christians that stay stuck in a, uh, a trial. Like, so they could have had something happen to them in their lives you know, in, you know, in their teenage years mm-hmm. or whatever, and now they're in their thirties, but they're still living back there yeah. because mm-hmm. never, they never forgave. Mm-hmm. They never, they never let go. They never, or they never accepted forgiveness mm-hmm. exactly. or grace from God. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, exactly. And so I think that those are those big decisions, little decisions that help us to move into when life doesn't make sense. And honestly, I think the older we get, the more life doesn't make sense. Um, yes. And I think, and, you know, kind of like in our little um, if gathering thing, mm-hmm. the if equip thing, we just don't, in North America, we don't do very well with pain. Mm. And so we always think there's something wrong if we are experiencing pain. So it's either what's wrong with me, like what did I do that deserve, would deserve this, or mm-hmm. what's wrong with God, you know, he's so... Why would he do this? Yes, he's uh-huh. such a mean and hard, you know, rather than realizing his tenderness and his... Mm-hmm. his sovereignty and his and really having a picture of his character mm-hmm. more accurate yeah yeah so um how did this as a mom how did you how did you walk through this with your kids mm. like how did you help them have this perspective what yeah, did they that, i don't know you know it was we you know the kids were de- definitely in different seasons of life so we 
we kind of decided to just be really honest with them too. Like we didn't want them to have to wonder what was going on. So it's almost like sex, sex education where right. you just use the right words. Age <laughs> you know, appropriate. Right, yeah. Age appropriate, but you use the right terms and so that the kids are familiar with things. So we, we didn't try to, you know, um, hide things from the kids. We just told them what we knew. Mm-hmm. And then we, and we were, um, you know, we were, we tried to be consistent with checking in. But, you know, the interesting thing is it's still, you know, this is six years out now. I'm still hearing stories from my kids about how that time was, you know, wow. that it's mm-hmm. like, we're still processing it. It's, well, and you it, had kids on such different levels. I mean, your mm-hmm. youngest was six and your oldest, would you say 14? 14. Yeah. So there's yeah. a big difference in even yes. like maturity and understanding and life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I think, you know, for us, it's, you know, we'd rather have it just be more just real and not, um, we wanted to keep their, their lives as normal as possible, mm-hmm. which is why community was such a huge piece of it. So we didn't want them to have to pull out of soccer and football and marching band. And we wanted them to, to you know, stay involved with the things that they enjoyed. Yeah. And so it really then did take, you know, an army of people that would pick them up and drop them off and, you know, all of that. Right. So. Did you, I, I often wonder this when people are um, diagnosed with any kind of disease, you know, we're speaking of you with breast cancer. Did you and um, Darren ever have to have those hard conversations of what if this doesn't end the way we would want it to end? Mm, you know, that's a really good question. I I don't think we actually went there. You didn't go there. That was We didn't yeah. go there because we didn't need to go there. And to me, it would have been expending a lot of emotional energy that I had to save up just to show up for the next treatment. Right. So it, I think it was hard enough to just kind of like, okay, in three weeks, I've got to gear up again and go to get another round of chemo. And, you know, so it just, it, it's kind of like for... If, I don't know if you've ever run before, but like when I, I were, used to be a runner, I like to call hey, myself. Hey, me too. Yes. <laughs> so back in the day when back I used the day, to run, yes. um, if I got to a hill, it wasn't helpful for me to like look at the top of the hill. I just kind of had to look down and just kind of get one foot in front of the other to yeah, kind of make uh-huh. And then after a while, I got to the top of the hill. And yeah. that's kind of how we faced this thing. So we didn't go there. Um, yeah, I just we just didn't have even space to go there. Um, but you know, I think that that's, that some people probably do, you know, and I I think that that's where, again, that surrendering, you know, over and over and processing is such an important part of, yeah. So there's more than just the physical treatment. There's emotional, spiritual, (laughs) relational, there's just turmoil going on 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 all levels. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Vivian, your book, Warrior in Pink, is just beautiful. And I think we're going to give five away. And we'll do that on Instagram. And if you guys can follow me, and I'll tell you how. But I encourage you all to go get this book. Um, it's not even – I loved it, and I'm not walking with anyone with cancer right now in my life. So it's not that, like, oh, get this if your mom has cancer. It's a book for everybody. So mm-hmm. really, really, really great. I highly recommend it. Um, okay, so now we'll move on from serious. Okay. Too funny. <laughs> First of all, I'm going to ask you what you're loving, but I have to say this too. Where did I don't know if you taught me this, but I saw on your Facebook recently that you had, or it might have been yesterday or something, that you had a picture <laughs> of like a chocolate box, <laughs> and there was like one chocolate left, and you yes. said so Asian. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't remember if you're the one that taught me this, but I didn't know. So you need to teach everyone that's listening that's not Asian. <laughs> yes, is that yes. the respectable and common thing when you're at a meal is that nobody takes the last, no one takes the last serving. Correct? Yes. Correct. You know what? It was one of those interviews that I don't think they've shown yet that we did with Latasha. Okay, good. So it's, it's, it was recorded. So yes, <laughs> okay. it was recorded. Okay. So yes. So at, you know, when you're at a Chinese banquet, there's always like one shrimp left on the platter and there's one. Yeah. So it is. It, so in Asian culture, um, one of the greatest values is it's, if it's very community oriented rather than individualistic. So one of the ways that that's demonstrated is that it's not about me. So I'm not going to take the last piece in case someone else would want to. Yes. So that's kind of this deference that's shown. But it's so hilarious because when you're at like a big youth event with, you know, a b- bunch of Asian kids, there's always like one slice of pizza left. That is so <laughs> funny. My <laughs> kids are fighting over the last piece and they're like, it's mine, you know. <laughs> so yes. So once you're made aware of that, if you go to an Asian event or you're with other Asians, you'll see that you'll that's, notice it. You'll notice it. And that's part of the awareness. So, so I <laughs> loved so it. It made me laugh because I remember learning that. I was like, oh, I remember. She taught me that. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's why it's so great to have friends from different backgrounds yes. and different cultures and just enriches our lives to see life a little different. So does. So much. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. So, okay, so I always ask my guests, what are three things that you're loving? Yes, I love that question, and it was fun to think about it. Okay, so one of the really fun things um, is that I've just been invited to be a full-time writer with, um, or an official writer with She Reads Truth. Oh, that's amazing. Yes, I know. It's, so it's fun, and it's also exciting. And I love I've, everything they do. I do, too. I do, too, and it's been so fun to work with them. So I've guessed, I've been a guest writer for them for the last several months, and then um, just recently said yes to. So, what being, does that look like for you? What will you be doing more of? So, I'll just be doing more writing. So. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So that has been so great to have a place to um, just be in the scriptures with an incredible group of women. Yeah. Uh, and I love that. So that's one thing I'm excited about. Okay. Um, the other thing that we're starting to do, which I don't know if this is a whole thirty something, but in our little family, I I could not give up. You know the. Uh, my coffee dessert. Uh-huh, your coffee dessert. Whatever that is. Um, but we are starting to juice. Mm. Like, so we're, we're juicing, and that's, that's a whole other thing. So, you know, we've got the juicer, and we're throwing everything into the juicer. So, like, last I night, there that. Was all sorts of combinations of, like, pineapple and beets and 
We even tried like red cabbage last night just to, mm. you know, kale. And so it just feels healthy. It, it's totally healthy. Not, <laughs> not just feel healthy. Vivian, you're <laughs> on to something. So, so yeah. So anyway, we, we dusted off our juicer and we've been juicing pretty regular. I'm almost daily. And that's been that's a really, a really good, thing. healthy thing to do as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really one thing. And so kind of in line with that as well is that I, um, I got a Fitbit. Oh, is that the watch thing? <laughs> Yeah, it's like it counts how many steps you have. Yes. And so the thing that's been fun about it for me, Jamie, is that, you know, I'm less resentful of those times when I forget something in the other room. And you have to go get it. <laughs> right, because now I can, like, get points or, like, <laughs> it tracks every step. So it's like, oh, it's okay if I have to go all the way back across it's the okay. grocery store get the na na na, you know, because I'm going to get more steps. And I'm always so sad when I don't get my steps in. So are you and, trying to reach a goal every day? Is that how it works? Okay. So if you hit 10,000 steps, the little um, Fitbit thing like vibrates and flashes. <laughs> so that's what you're looking for. <laughs> for that. So it's just. So what's an average day of steps? Well, I think an average day, they, they say, whoever they whoever are. Whoever they is. Yeah. They feed the Fitbit folks. Uh-huh. I don't know. Um, I think that they say, like, it's healthy to take 10,000 steps. So that's where the 10,000 okay. comes in. That's like, I, that means I need to walk the dog. Oh, you know that's saying? not just like. <laughs> so I like, think regular life, you know, just running around, I think you could probably do three, 4,000 steps. But okay. you actually have to add, like, maybe walk the dog or take a, a longer walk around the block or something. Gotcha. To hit the 10. Or run through an airport. That works really well. That works really well, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I lately am not getting 10,000 steps and I know it because I'm sitting at my desk. Uh-huh. I hear you. I do that with the writing and stuff. I'm yes. at my desk a lot too and I, and I feel it. So that's why the Fitbit thing has kind of been a fun thing. And I actually there are communities and you can like, you know, put teams against one another. And oh, no, I do like a good competition. So. so Yeah. So I haven't ever ventured into that. It's just kind of my own little thing. But it, it syncs with my phone. Okay. So I could check how many steps I'm taking. And that's good. Yeah. So that's been a fun thing. It's that's been fun in a non-pressure kind of way because, I mean, really walking is about the extent of my exercise yeah, regime. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So do you not run anymore? You know what? I don't. Is I, it a medical thing or just a... Oh, no. It's okay. like just a, It's just a... Uh, why... Why, you know, I, you know, it's honestly, I never enjoyed running, but I always was glad that I did it when I finished. For sure. Yes. You know, and so I think that it took so long to get to a point where I could run. <laughs> so yeah. I just, I need a goal. So if I, if I had a friend who said, Hey, you I'm know, let's train for this, train for a 5k yeah. or something, I would be down for that. Mm-hmm. You know, that would probably get me going. But in and of myself, I know that I'm not in, you know, intrinsically motivated right I used to training always helps I've ran a couple of I've ran a handful of halves and so with a goal it's like Mm -hmm. I have to get these miles in or I'm going to die come you know running 13 miles and then I have a really bad back so I can't run anymore and I almost didn't realize how much I loved it until they said you shouldn't do it and then Uh, I was like wait no I want to do this I love this (laughs) totally yeah so Oh, that's that's a bummer when you love something. I do love it. And it was actually like an exercise that I could do and enjoy, you know, and you don't have to have a gym membership and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But anyhow, yeah. so I did yeah. my walking today on the treadmill at the gym. Oh, you go girl. I so do- see, you bet I bet you if you had that Fitbit, you know, yep, somewhere along the way. Steps. Yeah. yeah. And then you would have had the little lights go off I and know. it would 
vibrate on your arms. Yeah, and so. then I would have thought like it was like my pager for dinner because you know how they give you those pagers when your food's <laughs> yes. ready? Maybe I need that because that like makes me happy when that goes off. Maybe the Fitbit would make me happy too. Yeah. Well, it definitely makes me less upset about like having to go back yes. to my room yes. or, or back into the house to get the thing that I forgot or the yeah. piece of paper. So I'm, I'm, it's changed my attitude significantly. Oh. <laughs> so what are you reading right now? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I am working on a master's degree in Bible exposition at Talbot Seminary. Wow. And so I'm taking a class at a time. So when I got that question, I was thinking, well, I'm reading The Person of Christ by Donald McLeod, Uh Contours of Christian Theology, and I am reading um, J.I. Packer's Keep in His Step with the Spirit and One with Christ by Johnston. You know, so I'm reading some heady stuff. Very heady. This theology class, I don't know if I understand much of it, but... No, I really I love being able to be uh, formally in an environment where I'm being challenged in my thinking. Yes, and yeah. It's, it's been a blast. But I also have um, downloaded, I keep downloading, you know, books on my Kindle, which is actually my iPad, but I have the Kindle app. And so it just seems like if you're on Twitter, there's always like these great deals. Like, uh-huh. you know, this book is only 99 cents. You know, like I yeah. could do that. And then before so, you know, you have like 15 books to read. I yeah. know. So I have a whole bunch of great books that I, you know, I'll start on an airplane ride, but then I get distracted. And so I don't really finish, but I did start just this week. Um, the gifts, the gifts of imperfection, by Brene Brown. Okay. You know, I've never read any of her books. I'm embarrassed I haven't to say. either. Okay. I have a lot of so, friends that have, so. Yeah. I, so I had never read any of her books either. And I just happened, I think it was one of those, hey, it's like really inexpensive. So I had yeah. downloaded it at some point. I don't even remember when, but um, the, the her intro is basically her TED Talk on vulnerability. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I loved that talk, her TED Talk. I, it was where I first heard her. Yeah. And so, um, so I'm curious about learning more about um, wholehearted living and it just feels like it's a very um, applicable book right now in my life just to to learn to embrace imperfection and yeah you know I love that yeah so that's I'm gonna have to pick up a book of hers because I've never read one but yeah I think she just has a new one a brand new one yeah it came out so Mm -hmm. and we're recording this weekend of September so it just came out now Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so. Oh, okay. Vivian, this has been so much fun chatting with you. <laughs> Even if I cried through some of it. Oh, <laughs> I cried too. Yes, her. but I just am so proud of you for sharing your story and for the vulnerability that you brought and the bravery that shines through on those pages. So thanks for writing that and thanks mm-hmm. for sharing and thanks for telling people about Jesus. Thanks for mm-hmm. everything you do. Oh, well, thank you for, for reading and your encouragement and... I just love that I can call you friend. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, okay, well, thank you for being on the happy hour. Thanks. Guys, I loved my conversation with Vivian. I want you to keep a lookout over on my Instagram account, which is just at Jamie Ivy, for how you can win a copy of her book, Warrior in Pink, which I know that you're going to love if you didn't tell how much I loved it from our show today. Again, just follow me on Instagram at Jamie Ivy, and I'll tell you how you can win a book in a couple of days. Remember, everything that we chatted about today, I'm going to throw it up on my website, jamieivy.com. It's just an easy way for you to find everything we talked about. Find me on Twitter, find me on Instagram or Facebook, and share something you love from this episode. I really love conversating. I just made that word up. I really love chatting with you guys about the show. Thanks for listening. You're the reason I do this show. 
this past weekend I was at a loom and it was so wonderful to meet some of you in person. So if you came up and said you love the show, I am so eternally grateful to you. Next week, my guest is my friend Jillian Lauren, who happens to be one of my favorite authors and also an adoptive mom like me. She describes her life this way. Are you ready? She says, a former member of a harem to a member of the PTA. I kid you not, you heard me right, I said harem. Join us next week for her story and all her thoughts on adoption. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend. And I will see you guys next week with my friend Jillian Lauren. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.